if you go back to verse 1 through 6, you'll see that they are has has boarded as king going and falling. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What, and of what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do so that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. That's a big word. I had to Google that one. Tempestuous to what? Tempestuous. More and more strong. And he said, Pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Essentially, they're saying, don't hold us against us. Almost like Pilate was washing his hands before they crucified Christ. They are almost washing their hands clean of what they're about to do. So what do they do? They picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And then the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So that's where we're going to stop today. And I want us to discuss these four words that I mentioned earlier, and we'll break them down each will get a few minutes in time, but here's what I want to start with. And they all root in a way, they all connect in a way to our own disobedience, to our own disobedience. See, when you see Jonah flee the presence of the Lord, and he's told to go to Nineveh, and he flees Nineveh, and he's trying to get on a boat, he's going to Tarshish, he's just trying to get away from the presence of the Lord, he's trying to escape God's presence, and he's trying to get as far away from these, you know, these pagan people, these people unworthy of God's mercy and His grace and the gospel, well, not the gospel of Christ, but the good news of the Lord that if you repent, this evil, this disaster will not come your way. So Jonah's doing everything he can to, to run away and to flee, and he's living in disobedience through God's calling. So here is what, we've, what we all may see, that our own disobedience to the Lord may lead to the destruction of other people. See, these mariners are on a boat, and the boat is about to break, and they are all about to drown. They're fearing, I mean, they're fearful for their very lives. They've already thrown all their cargo off the side. They've tried to lighten the load of the boat so that they can endure the waves and the winds, and they've thrown everything off. They're trying everything they can to get back to dry ground, yet they can't because the sea grows and grows and winds grow and grow, and it was Jonah's disobedience that has led to this very moment. And the reason I say that our own disobedience at times can lead to the destruction of people is for a few reasons. First and foremost, you and I have probably at one time or another been prompted by the Lord to go into witness on his behalf to someone very specifically. 
Or maybe someone has been laid on your heart and God has laid that person on your heart to reach out to, to minister to, to witness on his behalf. And if we are not careful, we will disobey God's promptings and we will not witness to the people. Or maybe, just maybe, there are people in our lives that are continuing to engage in sinful activities and the Lord has put us in their life to maybe be his vessel to preach the good news of Christ and to warn them of their evil. And to warn them of their own destruction, if you do not repent of your sin, then your marriage will crumble apart. If you do not fix what you are doing, your relationships will be broken. If you and I are not obedient to the Lord, and if we disobey his promptings and his guidance, then we may see the people who continue to wander in darkness will never see the light. If you and I are not careful, our own disobedience to the Lord may allow people who continue to live in rebellion to never come to repentance. And I know it sounds like, boy, there's a lot weighing on us. It sounds like maybe there's a lot weighing on you. And there is. God has called you in one way or another to be his witness. God has called you, if you are a Christian, a light of the world. God has called you the salt of the earth. God has called me to be a minister of the gospel, whether it offends you or it doesn't. God has called me to preach the good news of Christ, but also to warn of the punishment and the consequences of sin, whether it is pleasant to your ears or not. Therefore, he is calling you to do the same. So if we neglect these promptings, the sinful engagements that our friends continue to participate in, and maybe we even participate with them, knowing that they are sinful, completely convicted after we finish the the activity, if we are not obedient to the Lord, here is what we will do. Instead of courageously addressing our friend or our loved one and warning them of the destruction that may come due to their own sinfulness, we will actually cater to the sinfulness of man, and we will allow and tolerate more and more sinfulness, and what we will do is we will just hush our mouths more and more and more, rather than courageously presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also warning them of their own destruction that could come if they do not repent. So you and I have a responsibility to be ministers of the Lord. Jonah was going to a pagan nation. There are people in your life, people that you love, people that you work with, people that you know, people that you care for, that may be living as the pagan people in Jonah's day were, just living in their own sinfulness, just living in their own evil, not aware really of the consequences that may come or the disaster that may come. Because if you remember, the Lord called Jonah to go and to warn them and to speak against them to prevent the disaster to come. So we know that if we continue to live in sinfulness, if we continue to allow people to live in sinfulness or in their worldly passions, a disaster will come. Some of those disasters could be bankruptcy, could be divorce, could be abuse, could be addiction, or even worse, it could be eternity and separated from our Father in heaven in a place we know is hell. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. If the Lord prompts you to go to someone to witness or to share the gospel, do it. If they reject it, it's on them. But do not disobey the promptings of the Spirit. If he gives you a name or a family who is in desperate need of the good news of Jesus Christ to set them free. Because if we disobey, like I said, there may be people wandering in darkness that God is empowering us to present the light to. Yet if we disobey, they may never be pointed to the light. 
And there may be people who are living in rebellion. They're just, they're just living in it and they're celebrating it and they're just loving it and they're inviting you into it. But it may be that the Lord is calling you to be his witness, to be his vessel, to draw these people out of the rebellion and put their face on the floor in repentance and worshiping the Lord our God. Do not disobey because our own disobedience could lead. In Jonah's case, it was leading to the actual death of mariners. Thankfully, Jonah confessed who he was. They called out to the Lord. They threw him over the ship, and the water ceased. But had they not, there's a real possibility that they all would have died in the sea. So what disasters can you prevent people from experiencing by obeying the Lord's promptings, guidance, calling on your life? Secondly, we see distance. We see that Jonah is trying to distance himself in any way possible from the presence of the Lord. And there's so many similarities between Jonah and people living in their own disobedience. Because if you, if you pay attention, Jonah is fleeing the presence of the Lord. Now, if you read Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, you read that there is no possibility to escape the presence of the Lord. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter how high you climb. It doesn't matter how, how, how low you dig or how deep you try to dig a hole. There is no escaping the presence of the Lord. There is not a possibility to escape his presence. There's not a possibility to escape the calling of the Lord upon us. Therefore, what we may do whenever we choose to live in disobedience or people that choose to live in, live in disobedience, they will do like Jonah did. Jonah's distancing himself as far away from Nineveh as he can. Just like people that we know or even ourselves at times, whenever we live, live in disobedience, we are distancing ourselves from the commands of the Lord and then we start to live in sinfulness, and then you'll see people who are living in their own disobedience distance themselves, not just from the Lord's commands, but also from the Lord's people. It's those people that you know, the, the way that you know they are living in sinfulness is because they no longer answer your calls, they no longer are attending church, they are no longer part of a life group, they're no longer uh, responding in the way they once do. What they are doing is they are trying to distance themselves from the holiness that God has called us to, and they are distancing themselves further and further away from it, living in more and more unrighteousness and worldliness, giving into the passions of their flesh. And then, see, when I read this part of the story, and I see Jonah... It was pagan mariners that are asking him, hey, who are you? What do you do? What has this come about? What, what is going on here? It's when Jonah finally confesses who he is. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of the heaven and the sea. It's then when he actually confesses, it's almost like you see Jonah through the, through the you know, provoking of pagan people finally confess and come to his senses and remember, I serve the Lord and the living God. I worship and fear the Lord, the living God. See, when I read this part of the story, I immediately picture the story of the prodigal son. If you remember the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15, you read the story of a son that asks his father, hey, can I have my inheritance now? Can I receive my inheritance now? I'm going to go do things in my own way. And then what happens is the prodigal son receives his inheritance, and he goes and he just squanders away all of his, all of his inheritance. And he finds himself feeding pigs and longing to eat what they eat. And then whenever you read Luke 15, verse 17, you'll actually read the Bible says he came to himself. So what happens is people that live in disobedience, yes, they are just leading themselves to their own destruction, 
maybe in marriage, maybe in finances, maybe in their own well-being. They try to distance themselves from the Lord, which always results in a moment of distress, a moment of distress to where Jonah is fearful for his life. He is also fearful of the Lord. He, he might finally realize just how strong his God is, just how capable of his, his God is of doing all things. Maybe he thought, I could just flee. I could just distance myself. You know, the people that, as they distance themselves, living in disobedience, they do more and more stuff in privacy. They, want to, they become more and more secluded. You can no longer get through to them. And what they're doing is they're not ignoring you. They don't hate you. They're just fighting their own disobedience, and they're just distancing themselves from the from the commands of the Lord, from the people of the Lord. And then what always results in is a season or a moment of distress to where Jonah is fearful of his life. And he says, hey, this is who I am. This is where I've come from. And you know what? It would just be best if you just threw me over the side of the boat, throw me into the sea. It would be easier for you. The prodigal son finds himself feeding pigs, longing to eat what the pigs eat, And he says, whenever he comes to himself, if I just go home, maybe my dad will hire me as his servant. And then if I can just be hired as his his servant, I'll have food to eat. I'll have a a roof over my head. I'll have a little bit of security. All I need to do is I just need to go home. I just need to call out to my dad and just plead with my dad to forgive me. And then what you see in that story is something that a lot of us find or battle with, which is also known as an identity crisis. See, people who live in disobedience, who are distancing themselves from the Lord and his people and his commands, who are just wandering around moments of distress, they find as if their life could not get any worse. They've literally hit rock bottom. They begin to identify themselves as every failure that they've had. We begin to identify ourselves as every mistake we have made. We begin to identify ourselves as every flaw that we carry. And then whenever you read the story of the prodigal son, he viewed himself as even unworthy to be hired as a servant of his father's. Yet when you read the story of the prodigal son and he returns home, what do we see? We see that the father views him from afar. He sees him coming back home and he runs to his son and he wraps his arm around him and he throws a party and they slaughter the calf and they have a feast. And what happens? The father still views him as his son. He's not a servant. He's not unworthy to be a servant. He's not a hired handmaid. He is his son as he always was. And that's where a lot of people who find themselves in moments of distress, and maybe there are people here and you literally think that your life could not get any worse. You've been wandering. You've been wandering in darkness. You've been passing your days. You've been distancing yourself from the Lord, from his people, and you just happen to find yourself in a season of distress. Or you know people in your life who find themselves in this moment to where they completely feel as if they are failures of people. They are unworthy to be loved by God and they are unworthy to be called his children. They are just every failure that they've made, every flaw that they carry, that's who they are. They're identify, they identify themselves as that failure or that adulterer or that drunkard or that addict and the list could go on and on and on, which leads me to the last word that I want to discuss, which is the word deliverance. The word of deliverance. See, we're going to read a story next week of Jonah's deliverance being in the belly of a whale. Thank God I don't have to do that, right? Thank God you don't have to endure the belly of a whale for three days and three nights to finally recognize God's goodness. 
Thank the Lord that we do not have to endure this. See, what it is that many people may be in here, maybe in your life, that are living in disobedience and just wandering around in darkness, truly distressed where they are, on the verge of destruction. What they need, or what you may need, is deliverance. How is it that you can be delivered even in these moments of complete distress or as if destruction is knocking on your door? Death is knocking on the door of these mariners. Death could be, you know, relational death or financial death or emotional death could be knocking on the door of some people sitting in here right now or people who listen later or people that you know and that you love. How is it that you can actually be delivered? Well, two things I want to mention as we read in Jonah's account and as we see in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son returns where? Home to his father. If I were to give you an answer that follows the same pattern of the letter D, it would be daddy, Abba, father. Daddy, your father in heaven who loved you in this way that he sent his only son so that he would put on bone and flesh to offer himself as a sacrifice for every single sin you've ever committed, every single sin that I've ever committed. And when we see Jonah, we see here that the men ask him, who are you? What are you doing? How is all of this, how is all of this chaos come our way? What does Jonah respond with? He doesn't blame anyone else at this point. It's almost as if Jonah comes to his senses and remembers who he is. He says, I am what? A Hebrew. And I fear the Lord. Now, when he responds with this, he may mean fear in one of two ways. He may be meaning fear that I am literally fearful of my life because what the Lord has brought to us. But it's most likely meaning that he is saying, I fear the Lord. I serve the Lord. I humbly admire and just humble myself before the Lord my God, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So in order for us to truly be delivered, we must run to our Father, and we must confess to him. See, 1 John chapter 1 reminds us, the apostle John tells us that if you and I confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive us, faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from what? Some of, no, all of our unrighteousness. That if you and I confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of it. So regardless of what kind of distress we find ourselves in, regardless of what kind of destruction we may have caused or what kind of destruction we may see in our, in our near future or years down the road, if we continue to live in disobedience, distancing ourselves, we are promised by God's word that if we confess to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and that we could be completely delivered from this distress. So maybe there's people in here that find themselves right there where you need literally any help you can get. You've tried everything. You've ran here. You've ran there. You've done this. And you have completely destroyed things. The only way to be free from and to be forgiven of is to return to your heavenly Father. To confess to him all that you need 
all that you've done, and you will find that he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sin. And then if you're one that's in here and you do not find yourself in a season of distress, but you know people who do, I plead with you to obey the promptings of the Lord, the guidance of the Lord, the calling of the Lord, and to preach to them the good news of Jesus. And what's ha- what could happen is you may see in them a pattern that is found in Jonah chapter 1. So after Jonah reveals to them who he is and what he's doing, that he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord, you'll read on that after he says, hey, just throw me out. The Bible says that, therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked him up, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea stopped. It just stopped. It is in that moment that these pagan men feared the Lord exceedingly. There may be people in your life that need to be fearing the Lord now. They continue to live in sin. They, they wonder why everything's destroyed in their life, but really it's all resulting in their own selfishness, which is just another you know, manifestation of our own sinful nature, our own sinfulness, our own disobedience, and it's led to me distancing myself. It leads to moments of distress, and it leads to a moment in our life where there is only one thing that we can do to ever see anything good. It is to truly be delivered from all of it, and the deliverance only comes from the Lord. And what you may find if you present the gospel of Christ to them, if you love them where they are, and if you warn them of their own destruction, if they do not call upon the name of the Lord and repent of their sin and follow him, if you do not warn them and present to them the whole truth, then you may find that they truly are living in destruction. But you may also find that just as these men did, they feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice to him and they made vows. I really wish we could read what the vow stated word for word, but we don't. But what we do know is that they came to fear the Lord. They came to know who the Lord our God is. The same God that is the God of Jonah is the same God of these men now. It's the same God that you and I serve, and it is the same God is using you and desiring to empower you to present him to someone else so that they can also come to fear him. But what we might find is our own disobedience will lead to their destruction. But our own obedience could lead to their deliverance. So my prayer is that if you are able to present the gospel message of Jesus and point people to the light, do not allow them to continue to wander in darkness. If you know people who are just living in rebellion, they're just living in their own sinfulness, and they're just living in the fleshly desires of this world, I pray that you would view them as needing to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ to be delivered from their sin, and that you would truly do everything you can to present the message of Christ to them so that those people living in rebellion truly come to repentance and fear the Lord exceedingly so that the rest of their lives they would serve, they would worship, they would fear, and they would follow the Lord, our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And people, in these moments of distress, if you are here and you literally feel as if your life has hit rock bottom and there is no other direction to go, when you find yourself at rock bottom, the only place to go is up. And the only way to go up 
is to experience the deliverance from your Father in heaven who sent his Son to die on a cross to take away every sin that you and I have committed. That if we would truly believe in him, if we would confess our faith in him, if we would repent of our sin, and as you're about to see here in just a moment, if we would be buried with him through our baptism and our confession of faith in Christ, that we could truly be delivered. That we could truly find ourselves set free from all of the distress and all of the destruction. And whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. So at this time, I want to pray for us all. And I want to pray for two different people in this room. Person one is if you're here and you literally feel like your life is in this season of distress, completely broken, I pray that you would run back to your Father in heaven. I pray that you would confess your sin to him and find that he is faithful and just to forgive you. And he alone is able to set you free. And if you're here today and you're not in that moment of distress, but you know people who do not fear and serve the Lord, and they're continuing to live in their own sinfulness and their own disobedience, I pray that you would be God's vessel. I pray that he would empower you and that you would courageously go and to share the good news of Christ, but also warning them of things that could come if they do not repent of their sin and come back to him that you would just go courageously present to them rather than catering or cowardly fearing and bowing to them. Let us pray. Father, we just come in this very moment in time and I just pray that your presence